one of the things that people forget is that we do need to communicate our boundaries. The people can't read our minds. They don't know what we want until we tell them what we want or what we need. And so it's very important that you figure out a way to communicate your boundaries in a way that's comfortable for you. And the other end of that is, well, what if people don't like my boundaries? And that's a whole conversation too. We can definitely talk about that. But yeah, you've got to take the time to communicate with people so that they understand what it is that they could be doing that is hurting the situation. Most people, if you just say, hey, look, these are my hours of operation, or these are the times that I answer texts, or I don't, or this is when I don't, they're very understanding. They're actually more on the appreciative side that you spoke up and you said, hey, this is when you can reach me, and this is when you can't. Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Hey friends, I am so happy to have you here for the episode that is going to wrap up nicely with a bow, our month of conversation about confidence and boundaries. Our guest today is Jennifer Bassman, and she and I met on Clubhouse a couple months ago. Clubhouse, if you are not on it yet, when you can get on, it's amazing. I've met so many amazing people, but here we have Jennifer, and I knew right away that she would be awesome for this conversation. Jen, so awesome having you here. Let's see how many times I can say awesome in one conversation. But do you want to share who you are, what you do, and how you got to be who you are, like boundaries. How I got to be so awesome. Yeah, how you got to be so awesome. I was, <laughs> come on, you're not helping me here. I was trying to stop saying that. I mean, I'm drinking out of a coffee cup that says, you're awesome, keep that shit. So. Oh, I love know. it. Where did you get it's it? It's okay. It's perfect. We'll have to link to Actually, that in the show notes. Send it to me. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to be here and to reach out to your audience. And I am Jennifer Bassman. I am a burnout and boundary strategist. I don't want to say coach. I want to say strategist because it takes strategy to work through burnout and and build out your boundaries. And I have been a business owner myself for nearly 20 years. I started strategizing and coaching Man, it's been at least a decade because I started doing it before I was actually doing it, if that makes any sense. So I actually got into it full time when I burned out right after I burned out myself. I was going through burnout around 2013 and spent nearly two years, somewhere around two years uh, going through burnout myself. And it was a really difficult period. I don't necessarily want to call it dark. It can be for some people. It just for me, it was really difficult. I found it difficult to do absolutely everything. Part of it was that I really didn't know who I was. I really didn't know what I really wanted. I owned a business at the time that was controlling me, not me running it. So that also added to the chaos around me. And once I got through the burnout, I realized there just wasn't much on the market to help people and that I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only person that was going through it. And as I've recovered from burnout, I began creating materials, creating resources for other people going through burnout. 
aside from just my everyday coaching. And one of the resources that I ended up creating is a book called Stop Being a Doormat. And the book is all about how to create boundaries. One of the things that I've discovered as I've coached more and more people, I'm not alone on not having any boundaries, or I wasn't alone, (laughs) I should say, in not having any boundaries. And it's something that people see as being very, very difficult, but it's really not. And so I've simplified it for people, even simplified it even further from the book. And it'll be a course pretty soon, like an online course that people can go through, where by the time you finish the book or the course, you'll have a set of enforceable boundaries, a set of boundaries that you'll feel comfortable enforcing. And it's something that I've watched a lot of my clients go through and have major transformations. You know, they were admittedly just like me, really uncomfortable at first saying no to people. And boundaries, by the way, aren't just about saying no. They encompass a lot of different things. And we can talk about that in this podcast as well. But the discomfort around saying no, the guilt around saying no, you know, those are very, very common emotions. And it's okay that you experience them. Anybody that tells you that they can remove your guilt or remove the emotions around saying no, they're going to be lying. You're always going to feel a little bit guilty. You're human. You know, you're always going to feel a little bit bad about not have being able to help someone or turning somebody down. So that's totally normal. But what is more helpful is being able to manage those emotions. That's what's more important. So as we're chatting here today, we just got a puppy two days ago. Oh, no. She's nine weeks old today. And I'm thinking oh, what about kind of puppy. She's a mix between a Carolina dog and a German Shepherd. Oh, wow. Yeah. But she's really small. She won't get too big, but that's besides the point. But she's still going through potty training, right? <laughs> and there's the positive reinforcement that goes along with, yay, you went yes. outside instead of right behind my desk. Uh-huh. I didn't even realize that she had been going behind my desk until my husband discovered it last night. Love it. Like, anyway, and no, everybody, it's not that my nose is broken. I, I think I was out when she went by my desk multiple times. Anyway, with establishing boundaries and holding true to them. I haven't done it yet, but while you were talking, I was thinking about positive reinforcement for myself, like how to positively reinforce when I hold true. I have a client who for some time was texting me while they were on their way to the gym in the morning at like four o'clock in the morning. Oh, whoa. And until that point, I really didn't have an issue with leaving my ringer on all the time. I wanted to hear calls when they came in or text messages. But when they start coming in at 4 a.m., that's a problem for me. That's waking me up in the middle of the night. Finally, after being resentful for a month or two about it, I said, you know, I know you're really excited about this new idea. However, I'm not awake yet. You're waking me up. Can you please email me with those ideas? I mean, and I didn't say it, but you have email on your phone, just like you do text messages just email it to me and I'll get it when I get up and I'll respond then. So that worked. That worked amazingly. However, now the client has shifted to texting after hours on weekdays and on weekends. And at first I felt like I had to respond right away, but I've gotten good at not responding right away or even not at all. This is my personal time. Just because you're working on something on the weekend doesn't mean I have to. Right. 
at first there was a lot of guilt, but I don't feel guilty about it anymore. Even saying I'm spending time with my family, send me an email and I'll read it when I can. Or the client sends audio messages. If I'm in the midst of all my kids or even out driving and I hear an audio message, I might not hear it very well, right? Mm -hmm. Send me it in writing. And I, for the longest time, it would have been hard for me to say, this is what I need. This is what I expect. If you're going to work with me, this is what you got to do. Right. I'm still working through it. Just like you said, I mean, it's not snap your finger, Mary Poppins process and it's done. Right. Boundaries are a process. They are. They're a continuing process and your boundaries should be flexible, you know, in that regard as well. So boy, there were so many great things that you pointed out in what you said. So the first thing I'll start with is your boundaries should be flexible right? So a life changes. So should your boundaries, your expectations change. So should your boundaries. And so the boundaries that you create today may not work three weeks from now. So it's important, you know, and every situation is not the same. You know, that same client that's texting you at 4am or at 10pm may actually have an emergency, you know, they may actually physically need you for something. And so you're going to have to at some point, flex your boundaries and say, okay, I need to answer this. I know this is typically my family time or my me time, but I do have the bandwidth to answer this or I do have bandwidth to be there for this person. That's how I would have done it two years ago. Mm -hmm. However, I realized there was no scope creep because I was just, I love your book title because I was allowing people to walk all over me like a doormat. There was no scope. So there was no scope creep because I had never really defined what the contract entailed and what they could expect from me and when. Right. And so many of us forget to do that, especially in the early days of our business. Oh, yes, I will work with anyone and everyone. And I work (laughs) 24-7, seven days a week. I just want to make you happy. Yeah. Don't send... I'm just going to say, don't set your business up like that unless you're an insurance agent or a midwife. Maybe a couple other exceptions. It's so easy to do that, though. It's you get into a flow or like you said, you get such a positive reinforcement from making other people happy that it becomes a habit or it becomes something that you, you know, you seek out. Like, how can I make other people happy? Oh, okay. I can take on this client that, you know, another client referred to me, even though they're incredibly difficult and I know they're not exactly right for me, but I want to keep that my other long-term client happy. And it's just so easy to fall into those habits, into those patterns. And you're making an excellent point. And I'm so sorry, I just realized I interrupted you, that it's not great for us. We need to be careful of the people that we take on as clients. But you know, I want to say that we're going to make some mistakes until we know what we want. We're going to take on clients or we're going to take on work or we're going to be around people that don't necessarily fit our agenda. And sometimes it takes making those mistakes, being in those awkward or uncomfortable situations to know, you know what, this is not the right fit for me. This is where a boundary needs to come in. Yeah, absolutely. If I could go back to 2012, my business wouldn't be like it is now. And even my specialty that I've been morphing into just this year wouldn't be here because I wouldn't recognize it. But I would tell myself, set up the boundaries and stick to them because it's a lot harder to establish them after you start working with someone than if you just establish them right up from right from the start. I agree 100%. It's an excellent point. There was somebody who I started working with in 2017 who basically right from the get-go was that, yeah, I'm here to serve you. 
24-7. And for the longest time, I resisted the word serve because it felt like slavery to me. Mm -hmm. And I know that's really strong. And I'm beginning to appreciate the word serve again because I am serving my clients with a service, right? But that doesn't mean that I'm a waitress at a 24-hour diner, that there's anything wrong if you are a waitress in a 24-hour diner. Awesome. I appreciate you. However, I'm not. that's not my role. And I realized two years into working with the client that I was undercharging and they knew it. So I went back and well, that was part two. Part one is I realized I cannot be answering text messages at one o'clock. I was still up working for that client. Midnight, one, two, 3 a.m. And just because they're on the West Coast doesn't mean that I and the East Coast still need to work with those hours. There's some exception. You know, I can work till seven or eight if I know, but I don't want to anymore. Like I'm not at that place. But starting to not answer the text messages at midnight and 1 a.m. was difficult because I started getting follow-up text messages. Kim, Kim, did you get this? It's sort of like mom, 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 did you hear me? Mom, I'm going to keep on repeating it. (laughs) So I had to go back and say, you know, I'm taking my weekends back. Well, they taught me the lesson. Well, it would be nice if you told us that. Well, yes, well, you should have told them that. When you started establishing those boundaries, you can't just do it on your own. <laughs> you have to right. let it be known. Yes, you're making an important point. And I'm glad you're putting yourself out there instead of me having to. <laughs> One of the things that people forget is that we do need to communicate our boundaries. That people can't read our minds. They don't know what we want until we tell them what we want or what we need. And so it's very important that you figure out a way to communicate your boundaries in a way that's comfortable for you. And the other end of that is, well, what if people don't like my boundaries? And that's a whole conversation too. We can definitely talk about that. But yeah, you've got to take the time to communicate with people so that they understand what it is that they could be doing that is hurting the situation. Most people, if you just say, hey, look, these are my hours of operation or these are the times that I answer texts, or I don't, or this is when I don't. They're very understanding. They're actually more on the appreciative side that you spoke up and you said, hey, this is when you can reach me and this is when you can't. I love that you're saying that because clients that I have gotten since that time and I have let them know straight from the get-go, these are my hours and these are the days I work, will send me emails off hours. But 99% of the time, They'll even say, I know it's after hours. Tomorrow's just fine. You don't need to respond tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and think about it. Think about every business that you brick and mortar business that you physically walk in. A vast majority of them have hours of operation on the door. They've set expectations for you. And that's basically what you're doing for your clients. That's what we're doing for other people is we're setting expectations of this is how I want to be treated. This is the respect that I would like to be shown. And would even behoove you as well to turn around and say, what works best for you? Where are your boundaries? What hours do you typically work? What type of workflow are you expecting from me? So that I can make sure that I'm not keeping things from happening on your end. So the communication on boundaries is a two-way street. And in fact, when you bring it up, more than likely that person's going to turn around and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And Let's just make a pact for this conversation that there's 
we don't consider it interruption. We call it enthusiastic interjecting. Yes. Okay. Deal. <laughs> Shaking hands right now. Yes, definitely. I realized I was enabling my lack of boundaries and my doormatism. I, let's add that to the dictionary, okay? By having all notifications on all yes. the time. Skype was on. Skype, I don't even know my login anymore. Well, Zoom is awesome. Just need to say that. So I took Skype off my computer. I had my email notifications popping up all the time. I had text messages popping up on my computer and on my phone. I had social media notifications popping up all the time. Everything was popping up (laughs) all the time. So I felt the need to respond all the time. And just recently, I mean, every week I have to go into Clubhouse now and say, turn off notifications. Have you noticed, by the way, how many people, if you host your own room and you go to ping people in, how many people have their notifications off? It makes me so happy to see. Yes. Well, at the same time, wishing that I could ping them into the room. (laughs) Like, good for you. (laughs) Understood. Yeah. For you. I honestly wish I could just turn them off all the time, like not have to go in every week, but it's okay for now. There's not a rule saying, there's not a rule saying that you have to. (laughs) We feel a lot of FOMO, first of all. That's why a lot of us tend to keep our notifications on. The other part of it too is every time one of those notifications comes on, we get kind of a dopamine hit, particularly if it's like a text. There's just a little, even though we're outwardly, annoyed. (laughs) We may even verbally cuss. We're still not turning those notifications off. So we are getting some sort of gratification, something that is making us happy and makes us keep those notifications on regardless of where they're coming from, whether it's coming from Facebook, whether it's coming from a text message, whether it's coming from Clubhouse. If you're not turning those notifications off, Generally, there's just something that's keeping you there. There's something you need from that situation that keeps those notifications on. Verbally cuss, that never happens. So I actually just yesterday, I couldn't understand why I was getting Facebook notifications in my inbox. I don't have them on my phone. So why would I be getting them in my inbox? I didn't even realize that was a separate thing. And it was always the same friend that I was getting notifications for. And I couldn't really understand why it was that person either. That was the only person that was letting me know, but apparently... She was the kickoff. So-and-so posted a new post. You should check it out. And I would very rarely go check it out. I have to be careful about going into Facebook because Facebook is like a deep, dark hole (laughs) that I will end up scrolling in for hours if when I brave it. And yeah, I want to jump back to the very beginning when you were sharing your story. What was the word that you used? You said it wasn't dark, but you said it was difficult. I think that's the word that you used, right? I think so. (laughs) Yeah. The deepest, the most serious part of my burnout was very dark and trigger warning, but I was anxious, depressed, and at the darkest part, suicidal. And I never want to see anybody get there. I was up, quote, working 18, 20 hours a day, maybe more, sleeping only a couple hours a day. But I can't even say I was seriously working because everything was taking five times longer if not more. And I was making so many mistakes and then I would have to redo the work and it just didn't make sense. And I had to get to the darkest of dark to get out of that. A dear friend that I told what I had gone through sent me, she told me to read one book and that book led into another. And then I found Brendan Burchard and I heard about high performance habits and I had heard about high performance. I just need to say this, but I always thought that high performance and peak performance meant push, push, push. 
hustle right. and grind. Hustle and grind had been my work mottos for the first four years of the business. I can't stand those words now. I just need to say it. I cannot stand the words hustle and grind because I feel like there's way too many entrepreneurs and people in general who think that it's a great thing, but they're wearing themselves out emotionally, physically, all of the above, any that I did not mention because they think that they just have to keep on pushing, but the body needs a break. And I still forget to give it to myself a lot. Yeah. So everybody has different experiences with burnout. And just like the experiences with burnout are going to be different for each person, the solution to get you out of burnout is going to be just as unique. Not everything works for everybody. And burnout, if it's allowed to go on long enough, and it also, you know, I need to point out that stress operates differently inside everybody. The primary cause of burnout is being under chronic stress. And there are things that might stress me out that wouldn't stress you out, or there are things that would stress you out that wouldn't stress me out. Both of our bodies can handle different amounts of stress for different periods of time. So you may be able to handle more stress for a longer period of time. But the longer you allow burnout to go on, and I say you, meaning you or me or all of us, because we're the only ones that can get us out of it. Nobody can get us out of it but ourselves. But the longer it's allowed to go on, the more likely that it is uh, going to turn into depression. So that is something to always be very careful and cautious of. And the culture that we live in is a very busy culture. We wear busy like a badge of honor. And if there is one thing that I would love to eradicate from our culture, (laughs) it's this need to be busy all the time. We think we have to be doing something all of the time. And it's just not true. Busy work, it doesn't lead to success. Busy work actually is one of the indicators that you're not going to be successful because you're doing stuff that isn't often busy work is stuff that's not aligned with our purpose. It's not aligned with our goals. It's things that take us away from our mission. So you've got to be really careful about what you're keeping yourself busy with. I could give you a big freaking hug for saying that. I'll take it. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. If you haven't gathered by now, I love empowering entrepreneurs with the systems, support, and community to work smarter instead of harder. So today I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to find a huge list of resources and ways that you can connect with me and my community. Remember, it's not about being everywhere, but it's about being in the best place for our business at the right time. Again, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to see the whole list of ways that you can connect with me and other members of the positive productivity community. Now let's get back to today's episode. I signed up for Todd Harmon's 90-day year back in 2015, and I got a couple of the planners. I don't know if he created them or if somebody else created them, planners that went along with 90-day year. And I have mm-hmm. the planners still, just for reminiscing sake. And I look at any of them, and on my to-do list for the day are like 20 to 30 items. Sure. Including very insignificant things that really didn't yeah. need done. Right. And I would never feel like I got anything done because out of that list of 20 to 30, maybe one to three would get done. And 
a lot of it was the little tiny rocks that should have been filler tasks instead of the important things. So no progress was ever made. No significant progress. I did a lot of work that if I had simply hired a VA to do, I could have been working on the important stuff. I mean, why was it my priority to clean out my inbox? With that said, my inbox today only has nine items in it and I'm managing it. I do a clean sweep every morning, but I don't even look at most of the stuff. Thank you. (laughs) But my to-do list is also significantly different. My to-do list on a day-to-day basis only has five items on it and it it's not called a to-do list any, anymore. It's called my NIA initiatives. I Thanks to Clubhouse, I had entered a room a few, maybe about a month ago now, and it was a coaching room. And I brought up procrastination because I found that I was procrastinating on some tests that I knew I needed to get done. And they asked me a really simple question. They said, who are you not serving if you procrastinate on this task longer? And then they pushed a little bit further and said, who's your ideal client? Do do they have a name? And I realized, oh my gosh, okay, (laughs) let's rename. So I, I didn't even have a name. I am nine years into my business and I didn't have a name for my ideal client. So I thought about it and Nia means purpose. So my Nia initiatives are those five things that really serve my purpose in a day. That's really neat. That's a great idea. And that's just a constant reminder. Always interesting what resonates with us, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to tell you a secret you mentioned earlier about being a high achiever. One of the things that high achievers struggle with the most are to-do lists. They put way too many things on them. And the deal with achievers is they will not stop until everything on that list is done. It would frustrate them more to go to bed and get some sleep you know, get some rest and come back at that list fresh the next day than it would for them to stay up and finish that task list. But what achievers really need to control is not their work ethic. That's where we get things wrong. We think that we need to control their work ethic. We need to keep achievers from working so hard. What they really need to control is the amount of work that they put on their to-do list, the expectations that they have on themselves for that day, that week, that month, that year, whatever that to-do list deadline, you know, is. And so achievers really need to watch what they put on there and make sure that those tasks are really the most important tasks that need to be done in order to accomplish their goals. Otherwise, if that list is long, they're going to stay awake and stay on it and stress out about it until it's done. That is so huge. And it made me think of something else too. So much of that list could be outsourced. And that's where a bit of my boundaries, burnout, doormatism came in. Because even team members have, I feel like, doormatted me. Because they wouldn't do the stuff. I had to pick up the slack. But they sort of, I don't want to say this. It's not going to come out in the context that I necessarily mean it to be, but bullied me to stay on. Bully is way too strong, but I felt guilty letting them go even when I knew it wasn't right. Sure. You felt the responsibility to that. Yeah. Yeah. But as a business owner, if we want to build that bigger business, that the thriving business, we have to get over the guilt of letting people go that aren't working in the business any longer. That's true. We can't be doing the thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand dollar activities if we're 
stuck in the weeds doing the five to ten dollar activities or the hundred dollar activities. That's all true. Yeah. You and I in the pre-chat, and I'm just gonna let you know. I mean, the podcast hasn't gone out recently. I will edit this one to make sure I don't offend anybody, but there's just been some issues and I'm realizing recently that it might be time to look for a new solution. And that's something that I have to be aware of because if I'm going to have the visibility that I want, if I'm going to get the podcast out there like I want, if I wanted to generate the clients that I wanted to, there's going to have to be some change either Mm -hmm. in my current team or a new team because it's hard to market a podcast and be visible with it if it's never going out. That's a great point. Yeah, you know, something I discovered about myself through my first business is that I am not an employee kind of person. I don't enjoy managing employees. That was a really difficult realization for me to come to because I thought having a successful business meant that I needed to have lots of employees. I needed to be the most perfect boss ever. I needed to be all things to everybody, meaning my employees not necessarily a friend, but counselor or a therapist sometimes, their mom that cleans up their messes when they make mistakes. I had a very confused perspective on what employees actually meant to me, actually mean to the productivity of a business. And that I honestly had a very tunnel vision of what a successful business looks like. And in our economy in particular, we always think bigger is better, more is better. And so we're shooting for the stars with our businesses, which there's no reason that we shouldn't. But a business with employees is not always the best thing for everybody. I want to point that out. But the other thing too, is that what I realized was also making me uncomfortable with the employees is that when they made mistakes, when they were acting out and making them sound like children, they were not children. But you know, when there were moments where we disagreed on stuff, I know I didn't handle things wonderfully. I needed more education as a manager, you know, in terms of managing those situations. But what was really making me uncomfortable is the fact they had bought this problem to me that was easily solvable on their own. There was no reason for me to get involved. Or it was something that we already had a protocol for within the business. And it was driving me crazy that a lot of my employees weren't self-sufficient in terms of solving their own problems. And it's not that I didn't want to help solve problems, but what was grating on my nerves was solving the same stinking problem over and over and over again. And depending on how long that employee had been with me, they generally make very the same mistakes. They make very similar mistakes, particularly when they come on board. And I just didn't recognize that I didn't have the patience to work through that every single time that there should have been a buffer between myself and that new employee, somebody that actually, that is their jam. They like developing employees. They like developing people. They don't mind that people are going to consistently make mistakes. Not that I mind that people make mistakes. I make them all the time. I'm just saying that it turned out to be a situation where every crisis was my emergency. Every mistake, no matter how hard I tried to train these employees to do some stuff on their own, enable them, empower them to be their own problem solvers, that that just wasn't their personality either. And so there needed to be somebody else that had the bandwidth or the patience or the desire to fix these situations or be that person that they could come running to when something didn't work out correctly. 
But, you know, as business owners, I think we do a terrible job most of the time of recognizing what our strengths are. And I, you know, I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast. I'm a certified lift and strengths coach. And so that was one of the things that drew me out of burnout was learning what my strengths are and learning that I wasn't in any of my businesses at that time working in my zone of genius. I was spending most of my day doing things that were making me miserable and and unhappy. And when you spend most of your day doing things that are just not your jam, it's the perfect recipe to become burned out. It's the perfect recipe to become resentful. It's the perfect recipe to become very frustrated. And we really need to take a look as business owners at the businesses that we're starting and get really clear on what it is that we expect to be doing with them. Is it that we expect to be doing all of the things all the time? Is that even a healthy perspective to have? Or is it you know, that I want a balanced business in which I get to focus my time on the things that I'm great at and I will delegate the rest of that stuff to somebody else? That's, I recently came across... Recently, it's been about a year and a half, a couple of years. I discovered an online business manager. <laughs> What, a, what an online ban- business manager is and what they do. And that was an incredibly eye-opening situation for me because up until my coaching business, I had just run brick and mortar businesses. And running a brick and mortar business is incredibly different than running an online business. And so I was struggling to figure out, well, who's that going to be that person? Who's going to be that intermediary that makes sure that the social media person is getting their stuff done and the the website person is keeping up with the website. And to discover that there are other solutions out there was mind-blowing for me. And I, there may be some people listening going, duh, Jennifer, hello. <laughs> but it really was a game changer for me. You know, it went to my whole boundaries and delegating thing that I know that I'm the type of person that, you know, I want to do all the things all the time. I tend to lean towards being everything to everyone. And I was struggling to find the solution in my online business that was going to keep me from resorting to my old ways. Okay. First, I love that you're a Clifton Strengths coach. Is that the right verbiage? Yeah. And it's also known as Strength Finders, by the way. They changed the names, but I still call it Strength Finders. Okay. And then talking about an OBM, I want to unpack. It's not really the word I'm looking for, but it will work. I've had three OBMs, maybe. One of them was amazing and understood how I worked and how to best work with me. The other two, I couldn't work with after a month or two because they didn't understand how I work and how my brain works. And after the fact, okay, admittedly, just in the past couple months, I'm realizing that I really should have probably done a strength finder or some other type of quiz, test, assessment, I should do that with any employees so that we understand their strengths and weaknesses as compared to mine. The two that did not work well with me didn't understand that I am multi-passionate and it's really difficult for me sometimes to stay focused on one thing. And while the list, and I must also say that this was back in the day when my list was 30 items long and my to-do list was called a get done list. And it really was getting done instead of getting the important stuff done, right? So I was going all over the place. But rather than having mature conversation with me about it, they were very confrontational and rude and 
insulting with the way that they handled conversations with me. Like one of them told me I was going to kill my business, bury it deep into the ground, into the ground. And the other one wasn't much better than that. That's not how you work with me. The second that you insult me, I'm done with you. I know that's really rough to say, but especially when I'm paying you to work with me, you can say things gently and we can work through a solution. But that was a lot of that was my own not having looked at how they work and even knowing how I worked at that time. I didn't understand that it's just how I work and I needed to find somebody and be upfront about that with them. Yeah. And when we don't have a plan and we don't convey the plan, just like boundaries, then how is anybody else to know what the plan is? Exactly. So we might, people like me, multi-passionate people like me might see subway system map of ideas in their head and understand the route that each one is going to. But if we don't convey that to anybody, then they're not going to understand. And it's just going to look like we're crazy squirrels in a park all day long. And that's going to frustrate <laughs> yeah. other people as much as that frustrates us when yeah. we get all combative. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's funny. This is where my tough love comes in. I had a tough love conversation with myself. There were some hard truths that I needed to own up to myself. And when I first began working with clients, I warned them that that is something that's going to come up. We're going to have some tough discussions. We're going to discover some hard truths that we need to own up to. And we have to recognize in situations like that, that we play a role in their anger or their frustration to a certain extent. We can't control other people's behaviors. We can't control the reactions. We can't control what they're going to think. But when I look back at a lot of the tough discussions that I had with employees when I was first managing them, I did a terrible job communicating with them. And it's no wonder that they reacted the way that they did. And looking back at those discussions, I wish I had learned more quicker, but I didn't. But I know better now, so I do better now. And part of what you're describing, you know, you ended up describing is that I've got to do a little bit of planning. I've got to look at what my needs and wants are so that I end up hiring the right person for the job. Because the excellent, excellent example that you're giving is that often we don't know what we want. We don't know where we're going. And we just end up hiring somebody out of desperation sometimes, or because we think we have to. Just because we have to. To fill a spot. Yeah. Or we think it's going to tame the chaos. And what we didn't do prior to hiring that employee is figure out who that employee really needs to be. And the cool thing about the Clifton Strengths and Strengths Finders is that when you know what your strengths are, then you know where your weaknesses are as well. And something to, you know, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to admit when they go through Strengths Finders is that your weaknesses are never, ever going to be strengths. Never. And they, we shouldn't even try oh, to make them Oh, thank you strength. for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, when I coach people through their strengths finders assessment results, I have them look at the bottom of that, the 34 strengths. And the first thing I say is, I want you to take a look at them. I want you to know what's down there. And then I want you to realize those are never going to be strengths for you. And that's okay. What you need, what's important to get out of this is your awareness of what's down there. So that when you go to work on a project, when you go to hire an employee, when you are in a group of people, you know who you should surround yourself with to balance things out. So an awesome example of that for me, in my case, this is what I was laughing when I took 
initially took my strengths finders assessment. And at the very bottom is a strength called restorative. And people that are high restorative love problem solving. Love it. It is their jam. It is what gets them out of bed in the morning. It's what they're best at. They're good at figuring out what's wrong and then figuring out a solution. They can also be, be really good at creating solutions for problems that don't exist, but that's a whole other story. And it's not that I can't solve problems. It's that I don't enjoy it being my full-time job. And so had I known that when I had started out my first business, I would have hired so much differently and might've had a very different experience with employees and might've had a very different experience as a business owner at that time. It's always easy to look back years after the fact and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And it's really not that effective of a, an exercise to do, quite frankly. But what's important is that I know that about myself now. And so now, as I begin to hire help for my online business, who do you think the first person is that I should hire? The problem solver. It's going to be the problem solver. So honestly, the first thing I hired out with my business, and I do, I've done this now with my, all my businesses, is I hire out the thing that I hate doing the most. Usually it's math, bookkeeping, somewhere along those lines. But with my online business, the first thing I hired out was my website. It just is so overwhelming to me and stressful for me to take care of that. And there are so many problems that arise with a website, technical problems that I just don't have the patience or the bandwidth to deal with. So knowing that about myself, I did hire somebody to take care of that on that end. And it is money well spent. <laughs> you know, it allows me to sleep at night. But the first true like full-time employee that I will hire is the problem solver. I really like that. And it's so fascinating that you say that because up until this year, my main focus has been marketing automation and marketing strategies for clients. And a lot of that work also included me building out funnels and then troubleshooting funnels when very often, you know, an app is updated or a client goes into quote, edit or quote, fix something, and then they break everything. And then all of a sudden, all my time mm -hmm. for a week goes into problem solving and fixing. And I realized sure. what I especially love is the strategy and I can visualize, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I need to be building. That doesn't mean I need to be problem solving after the fact. And so many, so much of the burnout would go away if I outsourced to the right person, people who could build and troubleshoot. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> When you transitioned into this business, I'm curious because of how I'm transitioning into working with multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Did you have any inner resistance? Because it's such a fine niche or niche, depending on who you're talking to, tomato, tomato. I've had friends say, is this really a great niche to go into? Because you want to be working with high dollar clients, but multi-passionate entrepreneurs have trouble finishing anything. So how are they going to make money? And I said, good point. However, there's going to be criteria that they have to go through. The same could be said, burnt out entrepreneurs without boundaries. So I'm just wondering, did you have any inner resistance or outer resistance when you were transitioning? A ton. I had a ton. A lot of it I found, I fig finally figured out was my resistance was coming from just not knowing. I had been a brick and mortar business owner for so long that I knew what to expect. There weren't a ton of surprises, so to speak. But with the online business, there was a surprise every stinking day. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just constant things I didn't know. 
you know, every day I was learning, oh man, there's just another skill I've got to acquire or another knowledge base that I need to become familiar with. And I hesitate to say that I wanted to feel like I knew it all. That's not what I really wanted to feel like. I wanted to feel like at some point I knew enough that everything was going to start flowing a lot smoother to the point where things weren't so surprising every stinking day. And I don't know if that makes a ton of sense to a lot of people. It's not that I'm not risk adverse either. I understand that when you are a business owner, particularly, you know, you're self-employed, that's a huge risk. You take a lot of risk. And so it's not that I'm not used to that part. It's that I wasn't used to not knowing what I didn't know, that there was this vast amount of knowledge that I needed to acquire at some point. And one of the things about myself is that I, I, I'm high input. So I want to know all the things <laughs> and I will read and read and read and take in information, drink it from a fire hose, so to speak, just because I want that knowledge. I want to have that information. And that gets very overwhelming if I don't manage it correctly. And that was one of the places that I felt the most resistance to is managing my intake of information so that I needed to manage it in a way that I knew I was, I knew I was getting enough knowledge and enough time, but I wasn't overwhelming myself with all the things that I still needed Mm. to learn. The information part is all yours. The completion part is mine though. (laughs) I have felt like I needed to get to hundred percent on everything that I built, that I was thinking before Mm -hmm. I could go. And only when I got things like even courses fully built out, only then could I go forward. And I've had to get over that. Oh, the perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a, that is a tough thing. You know, we want to serve our, our audience and we want to serve them well. And we also don't want to be embarrassed by putting a product out there that's less than. But what we have to get comfortable with is that it's okay to put B minus work out there, or C plus work out there, and then improve that product over time. For anybody to expect the product that you put out right away is amazing and perfect and cannot be improved upon. They're crazy. That's just an unrealistic expectation. And if you think about it, if you think about some of the oldest products on the market, like Coca-Cola, or you think about Nike shoes, think about the product that they initially put in front of people. It was their base product. It's what got people in the door. But what earned them more money and more recognition over time was the vast amount of resources they put into improving their products and expanding Mm -hmm. their products so that they were meeting more needs over time. And that's what's going to happen with our businesses, Ken, that the initial course that I put out on boundaries, it's just going to get better. I mean, it it will, you know, as I learn more, as I'm around more people, I mean, even though I've coached hundreds of burned out people, as I get into the thousands, I'm going to learn more. And some of my opinions might change some of the needs of my students might change. And so my product needs to evolve over time. I'm going to piece together something that you said at the beginning along with that too. You said one of the things that you outsourced or the first thing that you outsourced this time was your website. The perfectionism, I started on the website, but I've let go of. And my website is on renditioned 1,052 maybe. And it's not ever going to be finalized. And my friend Richie, I think you've been in rooms with Richie Ote. He said, well, how are you getting, Mm -hmm. how do you 
convert most of your clients? He's like, is it through your website? I'm like, no, it's through conversation. He's like, well, then just a reminder not to focus on any, you know, you don't need to be focusing energy there. Not about what your website look like, looks like. To this day, exactly. I mean, he's been an entrepreneur for like, I don't want to put how many years. I don't even know. Longer than me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> to this day, he doesn't have a website. Period. Isn't that so amazing? He's definitely not yeah. getting hung up on it being perfect. He wants one now just so he can say he has one. It's prob- it might be time. Well, or it might finally be time for him. We don't do enough of this, Kim. We don't do enough of questioning mm-hmm. a premise. We see other people doing things and we think those are the things that we have to do. And we don't question whether they're the right things for us at the right time. I mean, think about some, I, I think about some of the people that I've met over the years. Some of the coaches I've met over the years have had these awful awful websites. And I'm like, God, how are they getting business? Their website is, oh, it's just terrible. But like you're pointing out, the website wasn't what was drawing clients in. Nobody cared. It was possibly the, you know, messaging that was on the website. Maybe it was the YouTube videos that they were putting out. Maybe it was the speaking they did at the conference, but it was the message and the offer that people were making that was so much more important rather than the vanity website that wasn't necessary. Mm. As some of these coaches have grown, yeah, their websites have changed in quality. They're definitely different and they should be. Your things need to reflect, you know, the level of professionalism that you're at at different points in your career. Better branding, better hosting, better speed that will come. My first website was a website in a weekend through GoDaddy and it was, mm, (laughs) let's just leave it there. Perfect. It was probably. I want to refer (laughs) listeners though back just two episodes back to episode 698 because that episode compared the stages of entrepreneurship with puberty. I mean, I have two teenagers. And just think about peer pressure peer pressure with teenagers or peer Uh pressure with entrepreneurs. There's so many gurus out there who will say that we need stuff, but we need to get over what everybody is telling us that we need and just go for what. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's a great comparison, by the way. I might steal that. Oh, go ahead, please. And while I'm on the topic of (laughs) episode numbers, if you've enjoyed this episode, listener, which I certainly hope you have, I want you to head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP. Get ready for this. 700. thekimsutton.com forward slash PP 700 and leave a comment down below. And I can't get over the fact that, I mean, I remember when I celebrated a hundred, I can't believe this is 700. Thank you. Thank you in multiple ways. Thank you for the congratulations. I mean, this is such an important, awesome conversation. Oh my gosh. I made it an hour and three minutes without saying awesome again. I even tried to lure you about 30 minutes ago. I I don't think it worked though. Did it? (laughs) I think I said awesome. Yeah. It didn't. You're strong. You have good boundaries. I wasn't even thinking about it. I just had other words pop out of my mouth. (laughs) Anyway, go over to thatkimsutton.com forward slash PP700 and leave your comments down below. Share this episode with your entrepreneurial or non-entrepreneurial friends who need it and go get Jennifer's book if you think it will help you, which I'm sure that it will. And with that said, share the name of your book again, share where listeners can find you, connect with you, get to know more about you and all that awesome stuff. Of course. Uh, the name of my book is Stop Being a Doormat. It's on Amazon in both the digital form and you can also order a paperback copy. It is in a work, I will say ahead of time, it is in a workbook format. So you are expected to complete some exercises so that you can truly feel some improvement along the way and make progress so that you come out of it with boundaries. 
I have a website, jenniferbassman.com. And I'm sorry, my elderly dog is right next to me. He sounds like an 80-year-old Was that a dog sneeze? When he starts packing things up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry. No apologies needed for dog sneezes here. Yeah. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel, Jennifer Bassman, the witty entrepreneur that's up on YouTube, where I post videos regularly about burnout trying to expand that repertoire out. So if there's a particular video that you'd like to see, particular questions that you, you have, by all means, shoot me an email. And this is another way to get a hold of me at jennifer at jenniferbassman.com. And I would love to hear from you. But yeah, definitely give me a follow on YouTube, subscribe to my channel, buy my book. Definitely. <laughs> if you feel it'll be helpful, but would love to connect with more folks that think that they're experiencing burnout or People that need a burn, need a boundary strategy, that need boundaries, whether you're a business owner or not. Boundaries are for everybody. We should all have them. There should be a t-shirt that says that. Seriously, <laughs> I'll wear it. You should. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll see if I can get on that. I'll get on that. Like, don't put it on your to-do list. I'm sure you have a lot of other things to do today. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. And listeners, if you're driving, try not to burn dinner, don't want to fall off the elliptical, all those resources will be waiting for you again on the website. So just click through on your favorite listening platform and you'll be able to find everything right there on the show notes. But Jennifer, I just want to thank you. I know this took a couple of attempts due to crazy schedules, mostly on my, my part, but thank you. It's always awesome. You got me <laughs> to chat with you. I want to ask for one last thing. What is a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with our listeners today? Oh man, you would ask the tough stuff. Wow. The parting piece of wisdom that I would leave is that you deserve respect. Boundaries are all about having self-respect, you respecting your own time and your own energy enough to protect them. But when you have respect for yourself, it shows and people around you notice and you're going to start aligning yourself and surrounding yourself with people that respect you. So the golden word is respect. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Bye.